But in that scenario, in the video, I have been both of those people at different times. I have both been the person that is trying to listen well, and I have been the person that is not doing so good of a job at that. Um, I have also been on the receiving end, like I'm the speaker, and I'm on the receiving end of good and bad listening. I'll bet you have too. And I bet that you don't have to think about it very hard or very long to uh, remember which one felt better to you. I believe that listening is one of the most undervalued skills in our modern world. And I think that's very unfortunate, very unfortunate, because it is universally needed and, and no more... No more than now it is needed more than ever. It is desperately needed. No other time than this has it been more desperately needed. So as we continue in our series today called Practice Hospitality, what we're going to look at today together is the importance of good listening as one of the tools that we need to be, to be successful at making others feel welcome in our lives. So we've, we've been talking about hospitality for several weeks now, and, and because I'm involved in planning the sermon series, I've been thinking about hospitality for a little bit of time you know, ahead of that, and I've got all these hospitality-related words and phrases kind of rolling around in my head for the past several months. And I love words. I, I, am, I am a nerd in that way, and I, I fully admit it and, and live into that reality about my identity. But I love words. I love the power that language has to connect people and to communicate abstract ideas and to make concepts that are, are, are hard to pin down come alive. That is the power of language and words. And so I love words. And so often when I prepare to communicate about a topic like this, one of the very first things that I do is kind of immerse myself in the language surrounding that concept or that topic. And I dig into the, the words themselves. And obviously, you know, as a, as a Christian preacher, I do that about biblical words. I've got my Strong's Concordance. You know, it's not that big, thick book that it used to be. It's on my computer now. But I read commentaries and, and Bible dictionaries, and I study, you know, the richness of the biblical language. That's important because English sometimes just cannot convey the depth of meaning in biblical language. And sometimes it even obscures meaning because of the limitations of our modern translations. And so that's important. But not just the biblical language, but I also look at the words that we use in our current context, in English and in, in today's language, and how those words uh, communicate about and frame a subject like this. And it's unfortunate because it's kind of one of those cliches of public speaking, isn't it? Like the, the junior high speech where the kid starts with, the dictionary defines, you know, whatever the topic is as blah, 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 blah. So I, I don't want to be cliche. That is the last thing that I would ever want to do. But I do think that the depth of the meaning of words can be something that is worth exploring. And so we're going to do a little bit of that this morning. One of the hospitality phrases that has really been stuck in my brain over the last few months is this idea that when we practice hospitality, have you heard this phrase, we receive guests? 
We receive guests. It's kind of an old-fashioned phrase. We might not use that very often in our day-to-day language anymore, but think of a wedding or a formal event where oftentimes there is a receiving line. And so the, the bride and the groom or the guest of honor, whatever the case may be, they stand in one spot and one by one they greet and they listen to and they speak to each guest individually in turn, giving their full attention to that person even if the size of the crowd requires that to be just for a moment. So receive is a wonderful word. And that picture of receiving our guests. So again, nerd, sorry. I honestly got a little bit emotional when I Googled the definition and I just sat with the definition of the word receive for a little while. Because I think if one has eyes to see, This can teach us a lot about how our hearts should be postured toward one another in hospitality. So listen to some of this. Let's look at this together. Definition of the word receive. To come into possession of. As one acquires a gift, receives a gift. something, Something comes into your hands and now you have acquired it. You have received it. To act as a receptacle or a container for something. I love this picture. This picture paints a thousand words. The cistern receives water from the roof, opened up and receives. To receive can mean to assimilate through the mind or the senses in terms of receiving new ideas. To permit to enter, to admit, to welcome, to greet, to react in a specified manner. To receive means to accept as, to accept as authoritative, true, or accurate. To believe, to accept as true, to believe. To support the weight or pressure of, to bear. To take a mark or impression from the weight of something, like clay receives impressions from a stamp. To acquire, to experience, to suffer the hurt or the injury of. Listen to that language in that definition. Like, really, really connect with it. Hear the picture that these words are painting. Acquire. Bear. Welcome. Admit. Believe to be a container for. All of these words, all of this definition, it communicates this posture of openness, of being the one that takes what is being offered and accepts it. 
receives it. To receive is to take hold of something that is being held out and to do so committedly and intentionally. And I can't think of a better picture than that to describe how we are meant to listen to each other. And then holding that picture in our mind, conversely, that shows us what a posture of poor listening looks like. That was the problem with Sheldon in the video, right? I love that that show is funny and it's crazy, but I mean, what a perfect example. That was his problem, right? He did not have a posture of openness, of attention, of acceptance toward his friend. He was so consumed with his own perspective, his own concerns, that he was unable to receive his companion in that moment. Have you ever tried to take an object from someone when your hands were already full? It's really hard to do. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 tells us that to answer before listening That is folly and it is shame. Why? Why is that true? Because to answer without listening, it reveals a self-centeredness in us. That we like to pretend isn't there. If we took a poll in the room and I said... You know, who among us is a selfish person? I mean, no one would raise their hand and say, that's me, probably. But it's there. That self-centeredness is there. If left unchecked and unchallenged, the human nature causes us to prefer and to protect our own interests. And the problem with that is that God calls us to live differently. He calls us into something different entirely. He calls us into what Paul instructs in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, that we should, as followers of Jesus, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. The very foundation of valuing others, the first most basic step in doing that is to value the words and the thoughts and the experiences of others by listening to them and receiving them as the gift that they are. Listening to each other, listening to those around us, that is part of our calling as followers of Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a favorite author of mine. He was a German pastor and theologian who ministered in the early part of the 1900s. He ultimately died in a Nazi concentration camp because of his resistance to their ideologies. And he was one of the few Christian leaders of the day who spoke out against Hitler's treatment of the Jews. One of the few that was willing to be courageous. While most of the, of the church in Germany was content to watch the people that they had been convinced were political enemies be oppressed 
and exterminated as something other, as something to be feared, as something not human. Bonhoeffer and his followers, they dared to see the Jews as human beings that were made in the image of God. Another sermon for another day, there might just be some modern parallels to that if we think about it. But I want you to keep in mind as we are listening to Bonhoeffer's words that I'm about to share about listening to other people that these are not mere platitudes. This is not refrigerator magnet cross-stitch Christianity. This is wisdom from the Holy Spirit that was given in times where it was very, very costly to live this out in community life. And, and Bonhoeffer believed in, the, in these, these words and these truths so much that he was willing to give his life for them. And he in fact did when he was executed by hanging at that concent- concentration camp. So here's what this man has to say about the danger of our failure to listen well. He says, there is a kind of listening with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. It is an impatient and inattentive listening that despises, that's a strong word, but despises the brother and is only waiting for a chance to speak and thus get rid of the other person. This is no fulfillment of our obligation And it is certain that here too, our attitude toward our brother only reflects our relationship to God. It is little wonder that we are no longer capable of the greatest service of listening that God has committed to us, that of hearing our brother's confession. If we refuse to give ear to our brother on lesser subjects. We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God. We have been given a ministry of listening and we should listen with the ears of God, says Bonhoeffer. And catch that in the quote to the small things because if we can't be trusted with the small things, how can we expect to be, count, to be trusted with the things that are that are sensitive, that are, that are difficult, if we don't practice in our everyday conversation. Some of this calls to mind the words of the Apostle James. We read in James chapter 1, verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. James says, everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. And furthermore, he says, jumping down to verse 26 of the same chapter, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. And it's a shame, it really is, here's a freebie, this isn't in my notes, it's really a shame that we've taken this verse and we've made it about inconsequential things, 
in comparison to the true meaning of it, like, like cursing or something like that. If you control your tongue and you never say a curse word, then you're good to go. Check your box here. But this is a much deeper, more important concept. Listening to each other in a spiritual way. Controlling our tongues reflects us controlling our selfishness and valuing other people as more important than ourselves. But those are pretty strong words. I mean, worthless, that is... That is a strong word. Does that seem like maybe it's over the top? Back to Bonhoeffer for a minute. Bonhoeffer said, he who can no longer listen to his brother, he will soon be no longer listening to God either. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and his own follies. Maybe he read Proverbs 18 too. But Bonhoeffer recognized something and James recognized the same thing. All of these things are connected. Everything is connected. It's all connected. Our behavior toward our fellow humans is a reflection of our heart toward God. And vice versa. And you can't separate the two. We compartmentalize in our Western intellectual thinking. We compartmentalize these things, but they're, they're connected. They're joined together and may not be separated. Not if we're to have any kind of authenticity or integrity. Think of Jesus telling his followers that every time they gave a stranger a cup of water in his name, it was like they were giving that cup of water to Jesus himself. When we offer to another human being the gift of our listening ear, a heart that receives what is spoken without judgment or without the rush to respond with our own concerns, our own opinions, that can be a holy thing. It's an acknowledgement of the divine image that we all carry. Does the Bible not say we are all created in the image of God? That's a holy thing. And that can be practice. The way we receive our brothers and sisters. Practice for the way that we're meant to be postured toward God himself. Practice. Practice hospitality. That's the name of our series. Practice hospitality. The, the, the name was chosen from the verse in Romans that tells us that that's what we're to do. And chosen because the word practice is one of the most important words in the world. One of the most important words in the world for us as the church. Because practice is how we get better at things. And when we practice, we start with something small. Something small and attainable. And then we increase the level of challenge incrementally until eventually we're doing things that at the start seem like they were impossible, completely out of our reach. 
I mean, think about lifting weights. Nobody starts out with those 500-pound dumbbells. I mean, if they do, they're kind of a dumbbell, aren't they? No beginner starts out with hundreds of pounds. The smallest little rings at the gym, they're like two pounds or five pounds, right? And you, and you, get, you get better, and you add more, and you add more. Listening is a skill that we can practice. We don't have to start where Bonhoeffer finished. We don't have to start with listening to those that we're supposed to consider our political enemies. Although, if I'm being honest, and I always try to be with you guys, we should be aware that if we are following Jesus... The reconciliation of the whole world is the goal, is it not? And that framework of listening to our enemies and loving our enemies, that's a framework that we are called to. It is part of our calling as followers of Jesus. That's the goal. But, but we, we don't have to be daunted. We don't have to hear that and think that's impossible. I can't do that. We start small. We start where we are and we practice. So how can we practice right where we are? Start by listening to those who are closest to you and listen well. Listen well. Today. I mean, please wait till church is over because I want you to hear what I'm going to say to finish my sermon. But today, when we dismiss your family, your children, your spouse, your friends, whoever you're here with, somebody, some stranger in the lobby maybe, ask a question. Ask a question about something that matters to them. Small children are really good practice for this because sometimes they just prattle on about like, unboxing videos on YouTube and I just don't even understand that but if I love that child I will listen because it is important to them ask them a question about something that matters to them and listen for the heart of their answer don't think about your own response while someone is is still talking don't don't we do that we're planning our we're planning our rebuttal before they're even finished don't rush to tell your own story. Oh, that happened to me one time. Or something worse, one-upping in conversation. I had a bad day. Well, I had a worse day. No, that's, no, don't do that. Be like the example in the definition that we, that we looked at at the outset of the message. Do you guys remember? Like a cistern receiving water. Be a receptacle, a holding place for the most precious thoughts of those that you love. And then in, increase the challenge. When that starts to feel comfortable and natural, increase the challenge. In this room, look around. I give you permission to do it. I can see if you're not. Look around. This is your spiritual family. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. There are people in this room, in case you are not aware, 
who think differently than you. They live differently than you. They play differently. They vote differently. And you can learn from them. You can assimilate new information into your mind if you will be willing to receive their thoughts. There are people in this room who are in need of support, people that are facing unimaginable trials in their life, hardships, suffering, sadness, loneliness that you may not even be aware of. They are facing the heaviest burdens that you can help them bear if you are willing to receive their concerns. There are people in this room who have had experiences, lived experiences that are entirely different from your own. We deal a death blow to our own selfishness when we choose to believe other people, when we are willing to receive their truth. And if we as the church practice with each other, we practice this, we just might get good enough. We just might get good enough to be worthy to engage with the world outside of these walls. We just might be ready to really live into the true mission of the people of God, the real deal which is what? It's growing the family. Gathering everyone. Gathering everyone into our family. Especially the ones that don't yet realize that they are invited to the party. The ones that Jesus loves. That he longs for us to receive and welcome on his behalf. I said in my introduction of this series that I I truly believe that without the practice of hospitality, we will be unable to accomplish the mission of the church. And hospitality is about more than dinners. It's about our openness toward other people. And I thought a lot about that this morning. I know Many of you are aware that yesterday there was an incident here in Rolla where a man uh, chose to end his life by jumping in front of the train. Did you guys notice the train shut down yesterday morning? Did you, did you realize that was what had happened? And I won't share the name because I'm not sure that it's um, been released publicly yet, but I, I am acquainted with someone who is acquainted with, with the victim. And it's just such a heaviness that there is such suffering. It's important that we as people, that we as a a culture and a society, but most of all us as the church, that we would be able to develop a posture of openness toward people because people are suffering Greatly in ways that we we are so often unaware of. And sometimes uh, uh, 
a dramatic incident like that is, is, is it causes us to pause. It causes us to think about the weight of all of that. But the truth is, is that that level of despair can be sitting in a seat in this room, can be standing in line behind you at Walmart, can be someone that you know and you would never suspect. So it's important for us, so important for us to stop, slow down, and remember that every person that we come into contact with, every person that we encounter is someone that Jesus loves, that carries his image, and that our God invites us to be open toward that person. And we can do that well if we will practice. So I want to pray for us as we go today. I want to pray for the family of that young man that ended his life. Um, Vince and I have have had a family member die by suicide, and I know that's particularly um, distressing to think that someone chooses to leave in that way. So we want to we want to pray for that family, and it doesn't matter that that you don't know who that is, but um, just join me in lifting them up this week because I can't imagine what they're going through. But for us as well, that God would show us what our next steps are in this journey toward learning to be a a better listener and making space in our lives and our hearts for other people.